when I broke my ankle playing basketball uh, in college, I felt a passion for essentially helping people get through their injuries and back to normal as soon as possible. And uh, the first product I actually made was a crutch that doesn't hurt your underarms. And this product, um, you know, I had an initial design. I applied while I was in college to accelerator programs and eventually got into one in Memphis. And so I just went ahead and dropped out of college and went all in. Uh, from there, you know, the journey uh, is pretty long, long ride, pretty crazy, but eventually led me to where I am here. Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome to a brand new edition of the None of Your Business podcast. Sean Dill here, and today we have for you a very special episode. I'm sure you're going to learn a lot of new things that will help you to reach more people, make a bigger impact, and to create the lifestyle that you deserve. We are joined today by Partha Unaba, and man, he has a fascinating story that I know is going to inspire you to do huge things in your business. Let's not waste any time. Let's rock him right in. Bring him up next to me. What is going on, Partha? What's up, Sean? Thanks for having me, man. Man, I'm super excited to share your story with the viewers and the listeners of the podcast because um, every time that we bring on a guest, we dive deep into their story and we look for the intersection points where we can learn lessons as service providers and apply their life lessons to our business. And boy, you've, in a short period of time, you've uh, added a treasure treasure trove of life experience to yourself. Um, but let's, let's roll it back because I'm going to look for a couple of the um, similarities amongst a lot of the guests that we um, interview here as well. So tell us about the beginnings. How did you jump into this idea of being an entrepreneur? Dude, it was, it was pretty early for me. It was while I was in college. And I think, you know, I think people kind of get into it two ways. One, they they know from when they're like two, right? They're doing the lemonade stands and everything. And the flip is like you try every other option in life and nothing else fits. And I was more in that camp. So I tried medical research, I tried the path to med school, I tried engineering, I I tried a lot of different things. And the un the single like unifying reason that I couldn't handle any of those paths was because I felt that no matter what I did, I felt my growth would be limited by the infrastructure in place, by whoever would be my supervisor, by whatever my role would be. I didn't think that I was going to be able to grow at the same pace as if I was doing something, uh, you know, kind of on my own volition. And for me, the highest value in life is how much can I grow myself? And so I, I structured everything kind of around that. So when you say you tried those things, what does try mean? Like you looked at it or you actually did it? So I, I did it. So I did cell research. I studied uh, this compound BPA that's no longer in water bottles. This was back when I was in high school. Uh, I, I programmed a telescope for a physics lab at Ohio State that measured dark energy. Um, I went to 
you know, uh, internships and in R&D and, uh, you know, Fortune 50 companies. I, I did a lot of different little things and uh, none of them were were satisfying. It wasn't a subject area type of thing. It was just like a, an experience type of thing. And so then you get bit by that entrepreneurial bug. What was your first sort of jump out of that structured world of working? Yeah, so it was it was pretty quick. Um, when I broke my ankle playing basketball uh, in college, I felt a passion for essentially helping people get through their injuries and back to normal as soon as possible. And uh, the first product I actually made was a crutch that doesn't hurt your underarms. And this product, um, you know, I had an initial design. I applied while I was in college to accelerator programs and eventually got into one in Memphis. And so I just went ahead and dropped out of college and went all in. Uh, from there, you know, the journey uh, is pretty long, long ride, pretty crazy, but eventually led me to where I am here. Tell me about the crutch. Um, it's a you you designed it. You you fabricated it. What what was that all about? Yeah, man. Have we we probably haven't talked about this at all, have we? I know of it, but not. I don't know the particulars, the specifics. Yeah, of dude. So. Basically, I looked at crutches and saw that a lot of them pinch in the axillary nerve in the underarm and uh, created a design that offloaded from the underarm onto the side of the body in the forearm in a unique way. So it was a hybrid between a forearm crutch and an underarm crutch, if you guys are familiar or listening. Um, I've got a patent for it, utility patent. Uh, basically, took the company all the way to the point where we had a deal that actually got signed for you know several million dollars a year of of distribution revenue and uh it was it was like right after i signed it the deal fell through because of whatever changing management whatever the circumstances but it was just like this life signal to me like i i had had inklings along the ride maybe like this way of doing medical isn't it for me maybe there's a better way to innovate in the sector and um that led me to looking at lasso essentially trying to find a way to build innovation in the health space, uh, but also package it with great customer experience and leverage sales channels like direct-to-consumer and e-commerce that were more of a meritocracy as opposed to a lot of the bureaucracy that's in major healthcare systems. Where's the crutch today? Oh, so actually you're an investor in some of that in the IP. So we're sitting on it right now. We'll probably do something with it, but um, it just it just didn't make sense with the timing of where we were at. So then you roll your next thing from the crutch. We move over to Lasso. How do how do you how do you get into that? Yeah, dude. So it's the same. It was the same context. Basically, with the crutch, I found that I was successful from the standpoint of being able to create a product that people wanted that was better than the standard of care. I was able to manufacture it. I was able to do you know supply chain warehousing distribution and actually sell you know a decent number of units. So um, we were doing some some pretty decent numbers on uh, online and in hospitals ultimately what ended up happening was the when this larger distribution deal fell through that was kind of what we had been working toward for a couple of years uh, i had to look in the mirror and say hey is this the path that i want to build on and ultimately it came down to how much control do i have over my success if i'm going down a path where i need you know three to five out of ten total people in the country maybe that could make the decision that would would 
you know, make this company successful to curry favor from such a small number of people, especially people that, you know, I don't look the same as like, we don't have the same cultural background. We're totally different in age. I just didn't feel that it was going to be viable. Um, but then through more of a personal and inward search, I found that my passion was far more around how I was building the business. So branding, flair, like designing products for people and leveraging cultural value and cultural influence to get people to make healthy decisions. And I saw this powerful paradigm that when you have a great brand, you can actually change consumer behavior. And so my thought process was essentially, hey, well, I can make a bunch of products. I have a lot of skills, right? But rather than overutilize my skills to try and solve a problem, why don't I build better problem identification and, and solution skills and then use my technical skills in the best way possible in that context. And so I took a step in a more abstract sense and looked at what I was doing with the crutch, which was innovating in the DME sector, durable medical equipment in healthcare. And uh, my view is essentially that this sector is rapidly moving into pharmacies, into clinics. It's, it's becoming very, very retail. But at the same time, it's heavily commoditized and has not been innovated in for about you know, 40, 50 years in a meaningful way. So I saw a ton of white space in which I could innovate, but at the same time, take those innovations and design them for the consumer market to be able to help people live healthier, active lives on a daily basis. So rather than solving something after the injury, I saw a more meaningful way to integrate, you know, preventive health into people's lives. So what's the journey to get to the first lasso product? So that was quick. So at that point, I had a lot of the engineering skills I needed. So the thought process was essentially, hey, we've been, you know, working on selling these crutches. Let me just flip the script. Uh, the crutch, you can only sell, you know, in the one hour after somebody gets hurt. That's when they need it. But how can I find something that will sell before? you know, right after an injury and then far after an injury. So I can sell it to somebody at any point in their lifetime. And that was a, a kind of a step back moment in terms of looking at all the technologies in the space and all the different use cases. And for me, um, you know, there's kind of a second part to my story after I broke my ankle in rehab. Uh, the second phase of that, the following summer, I taught myself how to dunk. So I put on 10 inches on my vertical, added 25 pounds of muscle, and just went at it for you know 10 weeks of very, very concentrated work. And that showed me a whole lot about the body. It showed me the power of stability training, of improving movement rather than just focusing on muscle gain, improving just essentially the dynamics of how our body works and also the neuromuscular connections at the same time. And that's what led me to last. I was essentially saying, hey, there's a lot of power. And really, like, if you think about it from an ROI perspective, like the area in your body where you can get the best bang for your buck in terms of, you know, movement benefit compared to work put in, in my opinion, is joint stability. It's ligament and tendon strength support and the neuromuscular signaling for proprioception, coordination and balance. And so creating a technology that we could integrate into apparel for lasso was the easy part, but finding the premise was, you know, where the five years, six years leading up to that, um, that's where all that work paid off. Look at you laying down the proprioception. Awesome. <laughs> <laughs> How tall are you, Bartha? I haven't met you in person yet. I'm going to see you in a couple of weeks. How tall are you? I'm six foot. Six foot. Can you still dunk today? Uh, I had a car accident last year, but give me like two, three more months. I'll be dunking again. Love it. I love yeah. it. All right. So we start to figure out that we can take your skill set and we can apply that into a product. Um, basically, we come up with this idea of joint stability. 
And then we begin to roll this out. And the first product that shows up is the sock, correct? Right, right. And the sock and was, you know, purely strategic. The whole idea was, let me create a product everybody can wear so that I can get this technology out into the world, try literally every market, and then aim the brand at the ones that work. And so on with the sock, what we did was we took this compression technology that essentially helps to stabilize your your foot and ankle, improve proprioception, coordination, balance, etc., by leveraging the same areas you would use, say, KT tape or any sort of kinesio tape. Um, rather than using the tape, which wears off in 30 minutes, we replicated the same type of support with compression in the garment because the garments are essentially skin tight in terms of you know any sort of compression sock. Um, so my view was if i put this in a sock i could test you know military i can test sports i can test you know like lifestyle use cases and through that we built this massive and very diverse customer base that is crazy passionate about the technology we use in our in our products and um, it helped us kind of get a foundation as to where we were going to build the brand and the business in the long term and, and I want to reiterate because what stands out for me is that it is not just a compression sock. It's not like that's a, that that is not accurate to say, oh, it is a compression sock. It's part of it. But it also has this other component. This part that was talking about about the reinforced areas that give the same effect as like using kinesio tape. Um, also, almost borderline like just taping your ankle or taping your joint for those that play sports, right? And how yep. um, even psychologically, you know, how yep. important that is, right, as well. Um, and so the product in mind, phenomenal, which is why one of the reasons why when I was able to see this, I was like, yes, this is genius. This, this is a product that can revolutionize um, the space, not only on the consumer side, but also on the medical side. But you then in the company, obviously extremely smart with your um, engineering mind and, and creation of this product. But then when we look on the business side, um, you were able to either strategically or fortunately or by sheer luck, you tell us, you're able to penetrate into the athletes and, and find fairly quickly um, some high profile athletes that found results utilizing the, the wearable and began to help you, um, endorse you, uh, collaborate, invest. Um, tell us about how, how that, how that came to be, because I'm sure that in the business world, especially in, in, in amongst entrepreneurs, finding street strategic collaborators is key, but most people just don't know how to do that. How did you, how did you find all of these key strategic people? Yeah, it's, it's so interesting. I get this question a ton from people on LinkedIn, which is how did you meet so many athletes or how did you get into the circles you're into? And I think of it totally the opposite. It's not that I had to change to fit into another circle, but it's that I had to change myself to get those people to want to meet me. And so a big part of that for me, I, I mentioned self-growth from the beginning of this. A big part of that was spending focused time on a daily basis for several years improving myself, working on my mental blocks, figuring out what makes me insecure and why and understanding those triggers in my personality so that when I'm conversating and you know meeting people rather than being defensive, rather than being, you know, a, like a overly a fan of a person, rather than, you know, losing my sense in a in a moment, I'm able to stay a lot more in the present and enjoy myself in whatever context I'm in. 
and uh, at the same time live with a sense of truth. And I think that when you have that kind of confidence about how you live and how you move, you know, people just want to hang out with you who match that same energy. You know, I've met a lot of athletes that don't have a lot of self-confidence, surprisingly, or don't have their their mental health together. And those are not athletes that I'm very tight with, right? And it's that's just kind of how it goes. But I think it's not so much about whether somebody's famous. It's it's way more about their mental makeup. And like, I mean, that's obviously, you know, how what what we get along on, Sean, is is this kind of like desire to always get better. Like I see a lot of the work that you do with your clients, with Black Diamond Club, with the, with the workshops and masterminds you host. And, you know, there's a lot of passion for both from both of us in this desire to not only improve ourselves, but to elevate everybody around us, you know, as much as possible. And I think that those values just kind of put you around great people. So you became like a magnet. You, you, you made yourself attractive to the connections that you wanted to have. Did they just then they just, those connections just came about because you set your intention out into the universe and that happened? Or did you um, have to do anything particularly to then actually close that gap? Uh, 100%, 100% fate. I mean, legitimately, every single person I've met who's famous was introduced to me. I've never asked to meet anybody. And it only came from the fact that I didn't care about meeting people for their fame. I only care about meeting people for the sake of what I'm building and how I can get from where I'm at today to where I want to be tomorrow. And all of my friends, you know, who made those introductions for me, I think had a sense like, hey, if I connect Partha with them, it'll make me look good because he's working hard on this thing and it's going well. And at the same time, it might create some value for them. Uh, whereas, you know, if somebody is pressing you like, hey, can you introduce me to this person? You know, can you do this? Can you do that? It's like, well, you know, maybe I, maybe I don't want to. And I think I think like life is very much about maintaining a sense of curiosity in the way that you approach your job. And I think it's about maintaining a sense of passion for what you do. And when you have those two things, you know, anybody else who's on that same path is just, I think, naturally going to find you because there's uh, there's a decent sized community, but it's not nearly as big as I thought it was when I was a kid. Obviously, super humble. Tell us a little bit about how Lasso is doing today. Were you selling just three or four socks, or like how's how's it going? It's been going pretty well. <laughs> uh, you know, I think uh, I think the thing that has been a huge blessing with Lasso has has been being able to surround ourselves with a lot of legends in in the sports industry and a lot of key figures in the industry. Um, for me, I think about investors, advisors, really everyone around me in a business as also sources of personal growth. So being able to get personal growth and different perspective from people that are genuinely good people and that I trust on their perspective is a really, really helpful way for me to understand you know, how to manage my psyche and my energy as we become more successful. So like a great example of that is as we've been growing over the last, last year and really in the last few months, uh, my phone doesn't stop ringing from texts, from messages, from whatever. And you know, in the past, I've always felt this like compulsion to respond to all of these things. And so I've had to learn how to manage my time and energy better, how to separate myself from the digital world a little more so I could retain a sense of you know, sanity at the end of the day. And all of those little things come from me being able to call an investor or an advisor and say, hey, man, like, what do you do when XYZ happens? How do you handle that? 
and just being able to learn from it. So I, I really think about business far more because I mean, you're, you're with everyone you work with all day, you're going to be with these people for years, right? So I've never worked with somebody that um, I'm not like 100% down to spend time with and learn from and grow with. And I've been very strong from day one about saying no to people who were approaching with the wrong outcome uh, kind of goals in mind. Like when you're building a company, it's it's going to be an up and down road. It's going to for sure take longer than you think it will. And it's going to be a lot more expensive than you think it will. So anybody who joins for those pure financial reasons isn't going to be a great fit for an early stage business. But everyone who joins from a values connection is going to be exactly who I want to be around because those are the people who are going to ride with me long term. And, you know, this business I've always seen is just like the setup for me. Like, I think there's a tax if you're not born into a trust fund in the US and the tax is all the equity you sell in your first company. But after that, you know, you're wealthy enough to own the whole thing. <laughs> and then you get to really make some money and do some cool stuff. So for me, it's like this one, the, the mentality from day one has always been, let me learn as much as I can. Let me spend time around great people and let me be inspired and live an inspired life. And, you know, after that, We'll just see what happens. So what is the future? We've got the socks and and look, we've got some pretty some gear. Everybody needs to go to what's the website? Lassogear.com. Lassogear.com. L-A-S-S-O. Um, get you some awesome gear. They got great hats. Um, I've got the camo hoodie. Uh, I think Lacey's got the tie-dye hoodie, or maybe she's got the camo. They got all kinds of cool stuff. So you could get that if you want to rep the brand, um, which is a great idea. But also, you can pick up the socks. And they've yeah. got the, the the crew length. They've got the knee-high. Pick you up one of those. My good friend, Dr. Shane Smith, said that when you put these lasso socks on, it's like tiny hugs for your feet. Like, legit, you put the sock on, you're going to be like, this is not an ordinary sock. This it yeah. just feels different. Um, you can wear them day to day. They come in white. They come in black. So you could you know throw them on with your dress pants if you if you want to rock the dark colored socks or if you're playing some NBA ball and you want the the, the black cruise, you could do that too. Um, I'm telling you, you're gonna love these socks. So make sure that you check it out. LassoGear.com. But what's the future? What's next? Are, are, are you going to become the sock mogul or do you have some other things coming out under the uh, Lasso brand? So we have um, essentially the same way we stabilize and support the joint and the foot and the ankle and the sock. We're able to do in other garments as well with our IP. So later this year, in the next month and a half, we're rolling out a ton of colorways. We're doing brand collaborations now. So we're able to print these really crazy, cool patterns, designs, et cetera, on the socks. Uh, we've got compression shorts coming out, the carrier technology, knee sleeves, arm sleeves. Um, the vision for this brand is essentially to build a whole portfolio of uh, and essentially apparel products that you know one would wear in an athleisure context on a day-to-day -day basis that provide measurable improvement to how we move and live every day. Um, my goal is to help people have a brand that they can go to where you're going to look cool the brand's going to have cultural values, so people are going to see you as cool. And at the same time, your health is going to be measurably improved. And I think hitting all three of those marks is it's a special thing for society. And you know, I'm I'm really committed to building that. Yeah, I mean, and that's super important for everybody watching. Look, you know, we we've talked about in the past people like Michael Port who have come on and talked about you know speaking and the the stages and giving a a, a presentation or a workshop or a keynote. 
and moving somebody in in ha- helping to change the way they feel first so that you could change the way they think second so that you can change behavior or change what they do third well you know parth has got all three things all wrapped up here because you know with the colorways with you know look, being cool because it is a cool brand it's not you know it's not something you're buying at the, you know, going down to the drugstore that grandma and grandpa, you know, you don't look like an old man or an old woman wearing the wearing the gear. So it's cool. And people will will look at that and be like, hey, people ask me all the time when I when I have my lasso stuff on. Um, and then those of you that know, like sort of how fanatical I am about a lot of my health and wellness stuff, like I, you know, always wearing my lasso socks and people are like, hey, man, what are those socks? And, you know, and I talk about them because. Um, you know, especially like when you travel, I think it's a it's a vital thing when you're getting on planes and you're changing the 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 pressure in the cabin. You know, and you're worried about you know DVTs and things like that. I think that um, the gear is super important. Of course, you want to look good. But then what happens? You start to change the way you think. You guys have a slogan, um, encouraging people. Also, not just you're not using the 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 wearable just um, as prevention or as uh, recovery. Um, part of the company's identity is encouraging people to be active, right? And I see you on social media as well. Um, You yourself are always um, serving as an example to be active. Um, Tell me why that's so important in the culture of Lasso. Yeah. So stay moving, I think, is just this this core concept that I believe is the foundation to not only, you know, an emotionally and mentally great life, but a spiritually great life. And I think physical health is first and foremost. So if I were to look at the world, I would say the biggest thing that humanity needs to kind of get to the next stage of of growth is physical health as a bar. I'm a really big kind of Maslow's hierarchy kind of guy. So I believe that if we can improve the physical health of humanity across the board, then people can actually move forward into dealing with the mental things that they're dealing with, the spiritual blocks that they have to get themselves to really live happy, fulfilled lives. And so... Um, I think stay moving as a philosophy. It's something that uh, in my whole life, I, I'm a guy who has struggled to be at the gym more than, you know, three times a week, four times a week. And now I live this lifestyle where every single day I do something. And a big part of that was lowering the bar on what activity is for myself. So even a walk counts, even a, a quick jog that I took this morning counts, or I could go to the gym and, and do a full workout and that's fine as well. Uh, but having some element of movement every day keeps the mind clear it keeps you happier keeps you relaxed and i just think it's a it's a habit that is significantly life-changing for so many people and so that's why we push it as our slogan um as a brand that's what we seek to do is to help people stay moving we believe that that's you know one of the most important things you can incorporate into your daily routine and for myself on social media I'm not a guy who looks like a bodybuilder. I'm not a guy who looks like an uh, Instagram fitness model. And I think it's so important for people to see me doing all of these workouts because I'm, I'm attainable, right? My body type is attainable. My, everything that I do is very attainable. And I think it's important for people to see regular people doing, doing the things that they want to do. Amen. I love it. Um, I'm going to bounce over into the Black Diamond Club for some exclusive conversation in just a second. But one last question here on the None of Your Business podcast side of things. Um, what's your biggest loss? Like in this whole journey, um, what was the lowest point, point of the journey and what did you learn from that? 
Yeah, the lowest points were self-inflicted. So they came from adverse reactions to situations that seemed dire. And so, you know, the best way to put this is that along the way in building a company, um, when you take the path that I took, which is the investor path, you're always raising money. And I mean, I, I don't have to tell anyone probably listening to this. There's a lot of times where you run out of money. And uh, those moments are really characterized by how you choose to handle them. And earlier in my journey, I handled them poorly. I would get very depressed. I would be very down. It would kill my motivation. It would make it very hard for me to keep going. And what I started to learn, you know, coming back to the state moving is building these daily habits. I used to say, I'm going to take one step forward with the business today. And then, you know, I can, I can do whatever I want to do. But one step leads to two, which leads to three, which leads to 10. And it happens really, really fast. So building those sorts of daily habits, getting rid of the weekend, weekday concept, and just making life into more of an enjoyable lifestyle where you create and build what you want to build. And at the same time, you take care of yourself the way you need to be taken care of. Those things helped me get to a place where I could handle you know, whatever came at me. And when I think about life, it's, it's used, it used to feel like I wasn't enough, essentially, like whatever I was doing wasn't good enough and I wasn't able to find success. And so earlier in my journey, um, there were times where, you know, I was, I would just sit in the closet and just cry and, and call my dad and just be like, like, yo, like, did I mess up dropping out of college? Like, was this the right path for me? And over time, I've started to find that none of the like path stuff or like the competing with other people in terms of where you're at or where they're at, none of that really mattered. What matters entirely is, you know, my own personal journey and the way in which I view it. And so just creating a more positive ecosystem in my mind where I can just lay there in bed when I wake up happy, excited for the day, as opposed to waking up full of anxiety, worried about the things I need to do. You know, those were the changes I had to make to actually get my head into a good place. It wasn't, uh, I'd say the outside stuff really was only a symptom. It wasn't um, the cause of my, my suffering. Man, wise beyond your years, Partha. I think that, um, you know, we are, are blessed here on the podcast to talk to a lot of names in the entrepreneurial space. And they all have um, these stories where they um, have hit these rock bottom places. But I'll tell you what, you've been um, very smart and intelligent to utilize as you were talking about, um, while you are learning, and you understand this in your in your um, your first company and sacrificing this tax of equity, um, you're also learning from other people's tax that they paid because, as you said, you have these advisors that you call on and they help you to shortcut um, the learning curve so that you don't have to hit the lowest of the lows. You don't have to get all the way to negative uh, net worth to decide that you figure out, um, listen, I, I need to uh, make some changes. And you know that's absolutely remarkable. Um, I want to reiterate again, lassogear.com. I want to invite everybody to jump on the site, check it out, pick up some gear, um, rep the brand. Now you know the man behind the brand. Um, and obviously, uh, this guy's got it together. This brand is going big places very, very soon. Check out the socks. And as he said, um, a lot of cool products going to be coming out here um, 
in over the course of this next year. I'm super excited about it. You guys know I play a ton of golf and, and I'm super excited to, to get some, some of the other stuff and have people ask me like, what the heck is that? And then tell them all about Lasso Gear. Uh, part that we're going to jump over into the Black Diamond Club in a second. Let me wrap up here on none of your business. Um, if you're tuning into none of your business and you're not yet a member of the Black Diamond Club, what are you waiting for? You're missing out on all of the exclusive content that we drop with our very special guests. Because even though we wrap up here on the podcast, we continue the conversation for a little bit longer over inside the Black Diamond Club. All you've got to do is go to www.blackdiamondclub.com. That's where all of the service providers are hanging out. They're masterminding, they're holding each other accountable, and they're all striving to reach more people, make a bigger impact, and to create the lifestyle that you desire. We would love to have you. All you got to do is get yourself on that link, get yourself enrolled, and you'll have eternal access to exclusive content like we're about to do with Partha. Hey, that's it for today on this episode of the None of Your Business podcast. But I promise you, we'll be back again next week with more.